Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, once a day milking dairy advisor Brian Hilliard joins us to outline the important steps to achieving successful once a day milking, including low SCC, good udder composition and excellent grassland management. And I first asked Brian to quantify the number of once a day herds in the country. I reckon that there's, there's upwards of, of nearly 200 farmers making once a day uh, full time for the full lactation um, throughout the country. Okay, I suppose there are a, num- there are a number of reasons really. Um, I, uh, among them would be first of all, I suppose, uh, land fragmentation. Uh, farmers that have um, also land that's very steep uh, and it's difficult to turn cows up a hill uh, twice a day, a steep hill. And in some cases, um, some farms with the layout, uh, cows have to walk very long distances. So that'd be, you could put those three things together, land fragmentation and hills and uh, distance of walking, maybe as one category of why people have um, gone once a day milking. Another reason would be um, quite a number of people actually would be walking off farm and just having the time to milk twice a day. So they have gone milking once a day and still have their off farm job. And another big reason I think for, and it's a growing reason for a lot of people is just simply lifestyle. Uh, many farmers find the, the workload uh, quite a lot and it's difficult to get labor maybe as well. And uh, they just um, decide, look, that uh, have a better lifestyle and make it once a day, they have a lot more freedom, more time with family. So that's, that's one big reason as well. And, and you know, in some cases, well, maybe farms, farmers that have an outside block of land that's what while converting to a dairy uh, unit, um, they would maybe milk twice a day on the home farm and milk once a day on the outside on the outside farm. So look, there are just a number of uh, some reasons why people have gone milking once a day. And you mentioned Brian that there's you know upwards of two hundred people or two hundred farms um, at once a day milking for the full lactation. Um, seasonal once a day milking is becoming more and more popular. So. Uh, farmers opting to milk once a day for maybe the first four, six, eight weeks of the lactation and also then, you know, maybe going to once a day in the last number of weeks of lactation. Do you think there is merit of this idea of seasonal once a day milking on farms? I, I think there's a lot of merit in it, particularly in, in the springtime uh, when everything is so extremely busy. And, you know, uh, you, number of cows have expanded on farms so uh, farms are busy uh, busier and uh, I think there's a growing number of people actually go, um, practicing um, once a day for the first month first four weeks five weeks six weeks of the calving season and uh, they're not going they're not going to change from that they find a great help uh, as regards workload and also a number of farmers um, maybe just to cut down the workload in the in the fall of the year in the October period onwards a um, number of farmers are also making once a day there um, but I think particularly in the springtime, it's it's of great benefit. And uh, you know, the subsequent uh, drop in, in, in yield is not is not huge. Um, depending, maybe uh, maybe if they're just once there for a month, um, maybe maybe six to five six percent overall uh, drop in yield overall. But then you they'll have higher solids, higher fat and protein percentage, and leading to higher milk price in that period. Yeah. And I guess I, I, to delve into that a little bit further, I mean, one of the main limitations for not choosing to milk once a day in February is this idea of, you know, you're going to hit the tank and you're going to um, impact on annual milk yield. So like if we take an example of a farm that starts calving in and around the 1st of February and they're hitting maybe an 80% six week calving rate, you know, 
that farm might have 60% of their cows calved in the month of February. So again, can you just reiterate and quantify the reduction in milk yield in the month of February maybe and also then in terms of overall production for the year? Look, I suppose uh, trials and, and over the years and many trials, uh, cows, um, and I'd say overall for the whole production, I think if they're just, if they're just almost say, see the thing I suppose, uh, as you said, their cows are maybe more compact heavy now, but not all cows. If you're if a farmer is just making one say for them for the month of February, now all cows will be mixed one say for the four weeks uh, as they calve down different times during the month. So I think myself, I think the overall drop in in uh, in in in, um, in production would be somewhere like as I say about five or six percent. And maybe if they're making on to six weeks on once a day, maybe something like ten percent. Um, that's just approximate figures. But as I say. Um, in that period, then the fat and protein percentage will be higher, be lower volume but higher solids percentage, and that will result in higher milk price, obviously. So, I think overall the the drop is is not a whole lot really in income. Uh, it's very little, but the farmers I had doing it find it very worthwhile. Um, it gives them more time to manage other things like calf rearing, whatever else, and more time to look after cows and so on. So, I think uh, as as cow numbers have as cow numbers have grown, I think it's uh, becoming nearly more more important or more of a necessity even. Yeah. And as you say that. You know, not all cows are in that scenario. There might be, you know, some of your cows haven't calved yet. And then another quart of your cows are only maybe a week calved and just about to go back into the tank. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think you make a great point as well, Brian, in terms of the ca- the farmers have a lot to focus on besides milking cows. So there's calf rearing, looking after cows. There are cows calving, getting cows out to grass. There are a lot of other uh, tasks that are they they can use that time to focus on on the farm. Yeah, and, and to, to manage to manage better. Yeah, and I, I suppose one other important thing there uh, Emma, as well is that um, cows will be in better condition uh, after being on once a day for four or five six weeks, and that will have a a positive effect on fertility uh, in, in the April period, right? So I think that there's a knock-on benefit there as well on, on better fertility. And getting back to the main topic then, Brian, and looking at uh, full-time lactation once a day milking, um, for someone who is considering it, you know, somebody listening in today and it's it's something that is an option for them, um, you know, how do they prepare to transition to once a day milking. Like, can you give us advice on the first steps that you would take if you were going down that road? I would advise farmers to maybe try and, and uh, prepare for t- two years in, in advance. And I think one of the most important things is that cell count is an issue with, uh, with once a day, it can be a, a higher. And uh, so I think um, if we are going down, uh, going milking once a day, you want to get the cell count well under control. And obviously, mixed recording is vital anyway. But uh, so that you identify the the, the culprits or the high the very high cell count cows, they should be called. So that's one thing you definitely want to have in order is um, have the cell count in order, and know and try and call out the high the high cell count cows, problem cows. Um, others as well, I think um, uh, because cows will have uh, are in mixed months day, there'll be more pressure on the other. So. Uh, Good odors is important, and again, any cows that have very poor odors like that should be called as well. Um, I think the other thing is that going, uh, you know, try and meet people that are making once there for a number of years. You can't beat um, talking to someone that's actually doing the job for a number of years. And uh, some people are, get, are doing an excellent job on once a day, getting excellent yields, higher than even people on twice a day. So um, try and meet those people. Any meetings that are on, we've, we've organized meetings over the last few years. 
on-farm meetings. We have had the, the once-a-day conference and uh, try and try and uh, you know update yourself as much as possible uh, by going to those meetings or conferences and uh, meeting other farmers that are doing it as well. Yeah. yeah, great, great point there. And as you say, nothing beats talking to the farmers who are actually doing it. Um, you know, they have hands-on experience day in, day out. To follow up on some of your points that you've made, Brian, you mentioned that SCC can be higher in once a day herds. Um, you know, can you give us a, an idea of, you know, what, what the somatic cell count is on the once a day farms that you're aware of? And I guess, you know, what are once a day farmers doing in order to combat that and maintain a low SCC across the lactation? Um, I look, I suppose it varies from place to place. I suppose, um, I, I think maybe 120, 120, 130, 140,000 up to maybe over 200,000 cell count, but uh, it's generally that bit higher on the on the on the once day farms. Maybe there's something I just thought about recently the fact that um, there is lower volume, uh, maybe that would uh, you know, uh, it probably leads to a higher cell count level compared to uh, far, um, cows or herds with higher volume. And some of us look, look at more maybe. Maybe it's a bit unfair to say that the cell count is as bad as it is, maybe or size it is when you have lower volume. Um, what people are doing, I suppose, the, obviously the big thing is, is milk recording and, and, and identifying your cows that have, that have a high cell count. But in um, more recently, uh, some farmers are putting in... Um, a flushing system where the, each cluster is flushed uh, before it goes on the next cow. And that is a big factor in, um, in avoiding the, the spread of mastitis. Um, and that's, that's probably the same for twice a day farmers as well, but probably more important for once a day farmers. So um, uh, dipping clusters, if people want to do it by hand, uh, just a dipping cluster um, uh, each time it's coming off a cow before it goes on another cow, that help, definitely helps to spread the spread mastitis. And um, I, Another thing I suppose which is more long term is um, bull selection. If you can identify bulls, uh, they, have a, they are good on, on um, mastitis uh, control. That's important as well. And another point that you mentioned, Brian, is you were talking about production and, and you said, you know, uh, some once a day farmers are on par with twice a day farmers. But I guess an, an overall picture, could you quantify maybe the average uh, milk solids or milk yield produced on once a day farms and the range that you would see. I mean, you you mentioned that you know there's a there's a, there's a, always a range when you're looking at a number of farms. Yeah, there is a huge range, like any any system. But uh, look, I suppose on the lower side, you're probably maybe um, maybe two eighty to three hundred on the lower side, and up up above uh, up over four hundred kilos. A good line to mind there, um, Neil and Gillian O'Sullivan who have. Um, in the past year in 2020 have uh, delivered to the co-op something like 438 or six uh, kilos of mixed hogs per cow and that's that's actually higher than the average of, of the glen beef supplier so look um and there are other farmers like that up close to that level as well so the range is big like any system but people are at for a while and over a number of years you're calling out the, the poorer cows and you're breeding from the better cows in that remain in the herd so um quite good yields can be got um by sticking with the system and you're improving it over the years um, from breeding and uh, management and so on yeah it's, it's an interesting point you make there 438 is absolutely you know above the co-op average but indeed it's it's above the average across the whole country and um, we would have actually spoken to Gillian before on the podcast um, to get her insights into you know I guess what what once a day offers um, their farm and their and their family unit um, I, I suppose from from your perspective um, you know working with Gillian 
what is she doing well in order to achieve such excellent performance, um, you know, while milking once a day? Well, I suppose, first of all, they're, they're making a crossbred herd and they will put a lot of effort into selecting, uh, selecting bulls suitable for once a day milking. Uh, they're also excellent grassland managers, um, and, and that's vital as well, uh, to have good grass in front of cows, uh, particularly on once a day milking, because um, I think if cows go back uh, mid-season on, on milk, it's probably harder to get them back up again um, on once a day versus twice a day. So having the grass at the right level, just somewhere between 12 to 1400 kilo covers uh, as much as possible, that's, that's, that helps in a big way. Um, the other thing with uh, once a day as well, you can make on a bit longer because cows are, are, would be in very good condition coming uh, near the end of the lactation. So some farmers would make them on a bit longer, uh, shorter dry period, because they say the cow condition is, is always very good. And I think the other big factor in, uh, in Eva and Gillian's case is um, in the past year, they had a lower level of replacements in the herd. Uh, which helped uh, the yield overall because um, from experience we know that first calvers are hit, uh, hit harder on, uh, on milk yield um, compared to more mature cows, third, fourth, fifth lactations onwards. So they had a lower level of replacement last year which helped the yield as well, yeah. And I suppose to take it a step further from production, Brian, um, at the once a day conference at the horse and jockey last January, you would have presented some figures, um, you know, and you're looking to year one of once a day farming. There's a 20 percent reduction in um, milk yield or milk solids um, on farms. Um, you know, does this mean that you're, you're going to see a 20 percent drop in income or what way does that balance itself out from a financial perspective? Yeah, 20% is a kind of a, that's on a 20% drop on milk solids, probably higher drop on the volume, but the milk solids would be about, look, it's a, a round figure of 20% on average, it varies from, depends how much preparation people have printed and type of cow and so on. But um, it probably wouldn't result in exactly a 20% drop in income because what happens is you, you, when you are with less volume, you'll have higher fat and protein percentage, so you'll have a higher milk price. That offsets some of the, the drop in the, in the, in the production. Um, there's also look at other savings. You'll probably end up with uh, that you wouldn't see maybe immediately. You have better fertility, less cows um, uh, being called for uh, for being empty. Um, also, less lameness is a big factor with once a day milking. Um, there's a huge reduction in, in lameness uh, with once a day milking, and um, there are small things too, like maybe less electricity in the parlour. I'm making once a day less chemicals and detergents and so on. So um, you wouldn't exactly see a 20% drop in income. Uh, just because there's 20% drop in uh, in the mixed solids production. Generally, I mean, Louise, uh, I, I just looked at the uh, farmers that are ahead for a number of years, so four or five years, they're generally on average getting about five centiliter higher uh, than the average. So that's a that's a nice, that's a good difference in milk price. And and that can compensate for, I guess, some of it does, the yeah, compensate to a certain extent for the drop in volume, yeah. And I guess that among all of the benefits that you have listed in terms of the I guess the cost savings and the additional income from um, the higher constituents. There's also the labor element, um, the, the once a day milking. You're probably spending long, longer at that one uh, milking event, but at the same time, there isn't a second milking event in the day. Look, as a, the, the drop in income, will, will, um, the gap will close. The longer you stay, I reckon to add about four or five years when you, you, know, you would say roughly a 20% replacement rate. After five, five years, you have a, a herd of cows that are more suitable from once they're making than when you started um, in the first year. So I think the drop, the, as, like as I said there, the, 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 the production is definitely coming up on a lot of those once they herds that are, um, they're doing things right and they're staying with it. And um, so the drop in income then would be, would be, be very little, I think, uh, as time goes on. Um, a final point to pick up on that you have mentioned 
uh, Brian, is the you know you talk about bull selection and and some important traits within the cow. So like you've mentioned, um, you know, looking at say milk recording and looking at the the actual cow that you have. Um, can you give us some more information in terms of you know the other in terms of what you're selecting for in these cows? Well, if you look at New Zealand, they have a, a once-a-day index uh, which um, tries to identify bulls that uh, would be more suitable for once-a-day milking herds. Um, so we haven't that here yet, but from from the advice coming from the research site in Moorpark, um, obviously trying to use the higher EBI bulls is is is, one, is, um, is the way to go. But um, uh, maybe, and also maybe if people are, maybe use proven bulls because with proven bulls you know what. Um, Type of orders they have, what cell count issues that they are, how good they are, and cell count reduction. So, um, as I say, it's worth putting a bit of effort into into the bull selection and to try and get advice uh, and, and as much as possible. But if you looked at bulls, obviously with higher with higher fat and protein percentage rather than volume, uh, you don't want the more volume you have, I suppose, the more pressures on cows others. So you're trying to get milk solids production through higher fat and protein percentage rather than through volume and. Uh, and I say try and identify cows with good teeth placement as well, particularly the front teeth, and uh, also they have um, they have good strong ligaments and that are uh, that have been negative on mastitis say, uh, as well. So trying to there's a bit of work in trying to get those bulls get all get all those factors in in a, in, a, in a bull as well. It's not easy, but I mean they are there if you look for them uh, in either in both black and white and and uh, in Jersey in Jersey bulls as well. Yeah. So I think an interesting point you make there, Brian, is that you know you're not necessarily picking something different to the kind of I suppose the traditional twice a day farm you're looking for the high bi bull but you know looking at a particular emphasis then on teeth placement ligaments and a negative value in terms of mastitis to take it a step further then Brian you know you mentioned um the O'Sullivan's have a crossbred stock and 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 you know good quality stock but but um you know when we look at a lot of the once a day farms in the country they are uh, crossbred. Um, we're also aware that the predominant breed, um, uh, you know, that farmers have in Ireland, you know, 90% plus of our cows are Holstein Frisian or Holstein type cows. Are they suitable for once a day or, you know, is it kind of crossbred only in your opinion? I think probably crossbred probably have an advantage in that they have, they have, a, they have very high um, solids, which gives a very good uh, price. Um, I haven't said that, look, as you say, I mean, the, the, the predominant breed there is black and white, and the um, majority of farmers that would be milking once they would be would have black and white herds. And um, But I think uh, there's plenty of black and white bulls out there that would care for selection, um, that the farmers with black and white herds are actually, some farmers are doing a very good job with it and getting very good yields. So um, I, I don't think you'd have to go, if persons, it's a personal choice, people don't want to go crossbreed and want to stick with black and white, there's no problem with that, I think. Um, right, they put the effort in selecting the right bulls. Again, as I say, bulls that will give you production through high fat and protein percentage rather than through volume, yeah. I think that's a great note to finish on, Brian. And, you know, as you have pointed out throughout the conversation, for some farmers, once a day milking, whether it's full-time across the entire lactation or 
at the beginning of the season or the end of the season can offer huge benefits, um, you know, in terms of lifestyle, labor management and efficiency at peak uh, times of year on dairy farms. We're looking forward to hearing more about once a day milking at the conference this Thursday. You can register online at chagas.ie. We will get some insights from a New Zealand expert, Nick Snowden. We'll also hear from a dairy farmer based in County Leash who was once a day milking with a Holstein Frisian herd. And we'll also get some insights from Dr. Emer Kennedy from Chagas Moor Park about the continued experiment that has been carried out there, looking at both short term and long term once a day milking. It'll be very interesting to hear the implications of spring once a day milking and how it impacts across the entire lactation. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much, Emma Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Brian Hilliard for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.